one of the visits I had this week, uh, uh, getting to know uh, a new friend. Uh, she is at the front end of, of her battle with cancer, and I got to sit with her for quite some time, and we were just talking and chatting and life and you know all the experiences in her world and uh, all the uh, moments and points and places and times and we were just having uh, a wonderful a wonderful chat together and uh, she was reflecting uh, on her childhood and thinking about her daddy and so we had a whole conversation about uh, about her father and one of the things that she said uh, as as he was, uh, he, he had spent, I don't know, 30 some odd years working at GM. She always wanted to get a, a piece of GM stock and uh, put it in a, in, a, in a little frame and hang it on her wall. And she says, oh, I talked to my financial advisor about that. And he couldn't find it. I wanted, I wanted to have that, you know. So as a, as a reminder of her daddy. She thought that would be a real cool thing to have. And so, if any of you have a, a little stock laying around the house, you got a GM stock, uh, maybe we can make a deal, because uh, that would be a very fun thing to, to give to her. So, if you got a line on one, let me know. But this issue, or not issue, this gift, really, of remembering is truly a remarkable gift. That in the mind of God, that as he was creating you and I, that we were designed in such a way that within our biology, there, there would be this ability. I mean, just ponder this for a minute. This ability to be able to take uh, moments in life, conversations had, experiences, places you've been, for years, decades, you know, earlier, your whole life, and that made it possible for these things to be stored in your brain. How does that happen? Somebody with an intelligent mind created us in such a way that we would have this incredible gift of remembering. Being reminded, reflecting, being able to sit and look into our family's eyes around the dinner table. Hey, do you remember when? Oh, yeah, that was awesome. And we get the distinct feeling, uh, and I think even a clear statement from God as He continually, throughout His Word, calls us to remember that remembering is a really big deal to God. And that remembering ought to be a very big deal to us. Now, in the ebb and flow of life, we understand that, right? Uh, that my sweetheart will say, hey, don't, don't forget, Tom, we got this going on. Hey, remember this, remember that. And, you know, we'll be talking, you know, with other people. Hey, do you remember, do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, so you, you got to remember stuff. You know, me, I got to write it down, right? I got to get it down there. And I got this new phone now I can put stuff in. It's really cool. It's really cool, you guys. If you don't have one yet, you ought to check that out. It really works great. And you can remember things, 
and, and it helps you. And, and then, uh, you know, we have like all these passwords and such. I mean, I remember all these passwords and it's like, I got like eight things that just say password on them. I mean, is that okay? Is that not, people don't know that. Dude. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But this, this reality is so significant to just even functioning in life, the ability to remember. Where am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to do? How does this, you know, on and on it goes. And something, something happens in the ebb and flow of life that a person claiming to be a, a, a Christ follower needs to be attentive to, needs to be aware of. Because in the ebb and flow and all the activity of all the things going on, we can get distracted from remembering the incredible works, incredible uh, 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 hand of God in our lives, present tense, past tense, and promise in the future tense. We, we get so consumed in our front screens of the things that are right in front of us that we oftentimes forget. We even forget who we are. A child of God. Well, in the grocery store the other day, did you really look like the child of God? Sometimes we forget who we are, don't we? What happened? We lost sight of the spiritual realities, and this is something that can happen anytime, anywhere, and we have to be attentive to this. There needs to be this continuous reminder that in Christ, I've moved from death to life. From judgment to adoption, from, from suffering the, 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 the wrath of God for my sin to being welcomed into the family of God now and forever. And I forget, I forget His sustaining mercy in the midst of the storms that I've gone through in my life. I forget that every good thing in my life has come from Him that's not mine. I didn't deserve a beautiful wife and amazing kids, and I didn't deserve any of that. I didn't deserve to, to get to, to be in church family with you all. There's nothing I did. It's a gift, pure gift of God. But if we're not careful, we begin to think that so many of these things are owed to us. We begin to think that we deserve it all that. Why? Because we're failing to remember their source. Every good and perfect gift flows down from the Father of lights with whom there is no shifting or variation. It comes from Him. I need to remember. You see, this, this story that we've been watching has not, uh, and studying, has not yet finished. There are some things to be done there is, very specifically in our conversation today, there is a call to reminding. There is a call to remember. There is a call to hold in front of you the power of God that has been released in your life in such a way, in their story, that their entire nation of Israel was saved. And there's been a movement of God in a, such a way that it, our little minds can't really grasp that God himself would come and live among us 
put on humanity, live the perfect life, die at the hands of sinners, be buried and raised again. Our, we've maybe heard that a lot, but that, that truth is one that is beyond our little minds, but is so significant for us to remember. You see, we need help building a vibrant spiritual memory. We need help. And this story here, as Esther and Mordecai, they find their job isn't done. She's the queen. He's the prime minister. Victory has been won. The people of of Israel, the Jewish people, have been saved. But the story isn't over yet because there's something very significant yet to be done. And it is to establish a call to remember. What do they do? The battle has been won. Let's read. Mordecai recorded these events and sent letters to the Jews near and far throughout all the provinces of King Xerxes, calling on them to celebrate an annual festival on these two days. He told them to celebrate these days with feasting and gladness and by giving gifts of food to each other and presents to the poor. And this would commemorate a time when the Jews gained relief from their enemies, when their sorrow was turned into gladness and their mourning into joy. So the Jews accepted Mordecai's proposal and adopted this annual custom. Haman, son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, the enemy of the Jews, had plotted to crush and destroy them on the date determined by casting lots. The lots were called Purim. But when Esther came before the king, he issued a decree causing Haman's evil plot to backfire and Haman and his sons were impaled on a sharpened pole. And that is why this celebration is called Purim because it is the ancient word for casting lots. So, because of Mordecai's letter and because of what they had experienced, the Jews throughout the realm agreed to inaugurate this tradition and to pass it on to their descendants and to all who became Jews. They declared they would never fail to celebrate these two prescribed days at the appointed time each year. These days would be remembered and kept from generation to generation and celebrated by every family throughout the provinces and cities of the empire. This festival of Purim would never cease to be celebrated among the Jews, nor would the memory of what happened ever die out among their descendants. Then Queen Esther, the daughter of Abihail, along with Mordecai the Jew, wrote another letter putting the queen's full authority behind Mordecai's letter to establish the festival of Purim. Letters wishing peace and security were sent to the Jews throughout the 127 provinces of the empire of Xerxes. These letters established the festival of Purim, an annual celebration of these days at the appointed time, decreed by both Mordecai the Jew and Queen Esther. The people decided to observe this festival just as they had decided for themselves and their descendants to establish the times of fasting and mourning. So, the command of Esther confirmed the practices of Purim, And it was all written down in the records. The establishment of the festival of Purim is a major event in the history of the Jewish people. 
few years ago while in Jerusalem in the month of March, where Purim is celebrated, it was pretty cool. It was a pretty cool celebration to watch and see as the people of Israel, listen, 2,500 years after this was proclaimed, still celebrate. They remember. They remember. That moment where God, behind the scenes in His providential hand, orchestrated this great reversal. And He describes it here, when their sorrow was turned to gladness and their mourning was turned to joy. The deliverance in the hand of God to celebrate this Purim, this casting of the lots, hearkening us to Solomon's words in Proverbs 16.33. The lot is cast into the lot, to the lap, but every decision is from the Lord. This reality that the people of Israel, this festival they are celebrating to remind themselves that they are not little ants floating around in the sea of chance. They're important, significant in the heart of God. And so are you. You are not a little ant just kind of floating through some little brief existence in the sea of chance. No, there is a purpose and there is a plan and there is a loving Heavenly Father behind it all. This festival reminded them of that. And as we, as we, as we dig into some of the important aspects here, what we find is that for, for us today, in our remembering, our need to develop a vibrant spiritual memory, that the principles that were in play for them are in play for us. And as we take a hold of those, embrace those, allow them to find expression, we will find our spiritual memories sharpened. They'll grow. They'll develop as we enter in to exactly what they did when this was established by Queen Esther and by Mordecai, the prime minister. Verse 21 and 22, this is what we read. This is this festival, call on them to celebrate on these two days. And he told them, verse 22, to celebrate these days with feasting and gladness and by giving gifts of food. As we were watching this celebration going through the streets of Jerusalem, I mean, they're just running around and making noise and having fun. And it, it, it was just this celebratory feel that was really, you know, you're kind of like, man, I want to be a part of that too. It was so fun to see them rejoicing and remembering. Because you see, the festival of Purim is a celebration of the heart. It's a celebration of the heart. It, it involves, it involves the, the feelings. It involves the, 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 
those things inside of us that create this, this emotional type of connection this, with God, this emotional response is to be spurred. And, and in so doing, it becomes, it becomes a tool in, in the hands of God. Celebration and joy over what God has done becomes a tool to sharpen our spiritual memories. Because you see, the absence of joy is a real problem. The absence of joy is a real problem. Too many of us are moping through our lives. Where is the joy of the Lord? And this festival was to remind the people there is, a, there is an outpouring, a, a, an expression, a bursting forth of emotion and praise for who God is and what he has done. Should there not be the same thing in the hearts of Jesus' people today? Jesus, you brought me from, from death to life. You saved my soul. You, you took care of this big mountain of sin that was between me and God and you bore it on yourself you've set me up as 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 a citizen of heaven I'm a child of God the spirit of God dwells within me I'm a temple of the living God my life the big questions why I'm here what am I doing where did I come from where am I going are all answered in Christ shouldn't I smile about that shouldn't the joy be in my life and as as we enter into this, this spirit of joy, as we remember what he has done and what he is doing, that here this spiritual memory becomes sharper and sharper. Nehemiah was helping build the wall around Jerusalem after they returned and they were reading the word and the word broke them and they began to, to weep before the word of God in, in humility and, you know, not a bad thing, by the way. And he, he said, okay, hold on a minute. Let's stop for just a second. This is good, you humbling yourselves for the word. He said, today is the day of celebration. The God has brought us back. And we're back in a city that bears his name, for the joy of the Lord will be your strength. Let me ask you, child of God, how's your strength these days? Is the strength of the Lord just carrying you with courage and with confidence? Is the joy of the Lord your strength? Or are we feeling a little weak need? A little bit in that place if, if somebody pushes me, the enemy comes at me, I'm just going to boom right on my back. Where are we today? The joy of the Lord is your strength. Let me encourage you to, to introduce one new expression of joy into your times with God. What do I mean by that? Let me give you a few examples. So we come together and we, we praise God as, as a, a church family. Awesome. Here, some of you, here, here's one thing. Go ahead and like put your hand up like that. Just, you know, whoa, just do it, you know. It's like, 
One more expression of praise to God. And if somebody's looking at you, oh, that, that, that guy, that girl, they're, they're lifting their arms. <gasps> they just do one of these things. You know. No, an expression of praise. Sing. Raise your arms. Something. A new expression of praise in, into your time together. Oh, here, here's one on, on, on your own. As, you, as you're reading scripture and you're praying and you're talking to the Lord and you read this and you just go, whoa, Lord, that's awesome. Stand up. Thank you, Lord. Enter another expression of praise. Hey, you're driving down the road, you got, maybe you got K-Love on or something, right? Turn it up a little bit. Just go ahead, just do that. Then roll down your windows and start singing really, really loud, especially at the stoplight. That's where you really want to get after it, right? And in that, the praise of the Lord, the joy of the Lord, you know, you, you, you enter into these, these moments of incredible joy, who God is, and, and this becomes the strength of our movement and our worship. Verse 27, he continues, he's talking about this festival. We find something else about the festival of Purim, that it is a commitment of the will. It is a celebration of the heart, but it is also a commitment of the will. That's what he says. Throughout the realm, the Jews throughout the realm agreed to inaugurate this tradition and to pass it on to their descendants and to all who became Jews. They declared they would never fail to celebrate these two prescribed days at the appointed time each year. This is a very strong statement that is being made. This is, this is the will of the people saying, we will not forget. We will pass this on to our descendants. 2,500 years later, we get the impression that they were serious about what they said. The will, a commitment of the will. As we come to our experience as a Christ follower, there is a huge conversation about our will this will that 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 we are invited to over and over again to surrender to God this will that we see Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane setting the example and he says father not my will be done but your will be done and the call for the believer in Christ is to yield their will to the Holy Spirit. Offer yourselves up as a living sacrifice. Yield your will to the Holy Spirit. One visual image to help us with that 
if, you, if we have a throne and we say this is the throne of our lives, to yield my will to the Holy Spirit is to acknowledge that it is Jesus sitting on the throne of my life, not me. He is Lord. I am not. He's in charge. I am not. He rules. I do not. And the life that is yielded to the Holy Spirit, Paul tells us, is the life that bears fruit. A life that is not yielded to the Holy Spirit does not bear fruit. Because it is fruit of the Spirit. Not fruit of Tom trying really hard to be nice. It's not fruit of me one more day saying, all right, God, I'm going to be real patient today. Here we go. First person that cuts me off. Oh, this is the life that's not yielded. Somewhere along the line, we've been told, try harder. Somewhere along the line, somebody told us that following Jesus is about us being really good people and trying really, really hard. Somewhere along the line, somebody moved us away from the Word of God that says, yield your life, surrender your life, and watch what I will do through you. Oh, the, hey, I'm in charge, and here, Jesus, watch what I'm going to do for you kind of life is one of frustration and disappointment, not joy and victory. He says, no, 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 no. You come, you get off the throne, you recognize Jesus sits on there, and the, and the fruit, the fruit of the Spirit begins to be born. Jesus talked about this very same thing in John 15, 1 through 5. I encourage you to write it down and read it. If you, he said, abide in me and my word abides in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Oh, and our pride and our egos go, oh, yeah. Nothing of kingdom value. Nothing. The abiding, the abiding is that yielding of the will to the person of the Holy Spirit. And He takes the Word and reveals and teaches and empowers us, gives us both, Paul tells us, the desire and the power to do that which pleases God. The desire and the power to, to know what pleases God and to do it do not come from you or me comes from the Holy Spirit and it's made manifest through the yielded life. And there we bear much fruit. So there's some things that have to happen and one is the, the, the emptying of the closets. You, you guys get that, right? 
Hey, we got to clean the house, kids. Da, 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 da. Kids go into the room. What do they do? They open the closet. They just shut the door. It's like, I did it, Mom. I got it all done. Everything's clean. And just don't open the closet. Too often in life, this is a picture of our relationship with Jesus. Lord, come on in the front door. Woo, good to see you. Here's the living room. Let's sit down and chat. What? You want to go to the closet? Hey, let's go into the kitchen. Let's go to the kitchen, Lord. We'll just sit down. We'll have a cup of coffee. No, you want to go to the closet. Writer of Hebrews was talking about this, and he says, hey, um, lay aside. Lay aside all the weight, the encumbrances, and the sin that so easily entangles you so that you will be able to run your race with endurance. Empty the closets. Holding on to baggage. Holding on to sinful patterns. Yielding is it's all or it's nothing. This Hey, I'm holding on to this, 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 and this, but God, you can have that, that, and that. Hey, by the way, that's just a game you're playing with yourself. God isn't playing it. He wants all of you, all of me. Because there in that place of yielding and surrendering, there is much fruit. And this to his glory. Well, if you're like us, you've been watching some of the Olympics, and and this is best athletes in the world. Unbelievable what they can do, right? Well, let's, I guess there was some swimming on last night. Let's just go ahead and get the swimmers and, you know, get a little belt and and a string and we'll tie a 50-pound dumbbell on them. All right, swim! They're not going to get very far, are they? The endurance, even... These prime athletes aren't going to be able to drag that dead old weight around. In our lives, following Jesus, dragging that old weight around isn't going to get us to this incredible space of fruitfulness, of experiencing God and the fullness in which He desires for us to experience. Verse 28. So far we understand there is a celebration of the heart that there is to be a joy, an emotional response to who God is and what He's done. We've talked about that the will is engaged that come to the place of surrendering. And here in verse 28 we see that this festival also was the decision of their minds. These days would be remembered. These days would be remembered and kept from generation to generation and celebrated by every family throughout the provinces and cities of the empire. The festival of Purim would never cease to be celebrated among the Jews, nor would the memory of what happened ever die out among their descendants. There was a decision of their mind. Decision of the mind 
See, the battle that we're in, we spoke about this a few weeks ago, is the enemy wanting to get our mind so distracted by other things that it isn't set on things above. Set on earthly things. And, and, and I get all distracted. I get my, my, my will isn't surrendered in the right way. And my heart is, is, isn't experiencing the joy of the Lord that's my strength. The battle is for your mind. The battle's right between your ears. Who's winning? God or our enemy? how's that path that you've been walking, where is it taking you to? We're all walking on a path today. Where's it headed? And as you ponder that with God's help, he's going to let you see where that path heads a few years down the road. Where's Where's that path you're walking headed to? We don't ever get anywhere by accident. We had to walk a long path to get there. And in the decision of the mind, we say, I want to walk God's path. I want to trust in Him. The spiritually idle mind is vulnerable to the lies and the deceptions of the enemy. So our minds have to be active on the things of God. Thinking, reflecting, reading. One of the things that, um, well, there's several things that the Scripture puts forward to help us have our minds set on things above. I'll just read these real quick and I'll give you a couple of scriptures. Look them up on your own and it can encourage you to have some study going forward. 1 Samuel 12, 24. The people in the story there are encouraged to think. Think. Think about things above. Think about what God has done. Think about what He's doing right now. Set your mind on things above. Second verse consider psalm 34 1 through 3 many places where david says thank thank him you're a blessing anything good in your life today a hundred good things in your life today time to start thanking thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you watch what happens to your mind third proverbs 3 3 and 4 right Right, right, right. There's the scripture right on the on your doorpost and your friend, you know, so the, your, your kids put them everywhere. The word of God, so they can see all, you know, right down, you know, you know, all right, on the, you know, the tablets of your heart. Right, 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 right. I got a whole, I got an office just full of all these old notebooks, all my studies. Write them all down. Just keep them. Write it down. Write it down. Another one. Build. Joshua 4, 6 and 7, here's the people of Israel coming across the Jordan River and God stacks it up. They come across on dry land and Joshua says, hey, I need one of you guys from each of you tribes. Come on out here. Okay, grab a stone, stack it up. Joshua, what are we stacking these stones up for? So you never forget what God did today. You got, you got some Ebenezer's in your world, some things you've built? We were in Israel, Mandy was collecting little rocks from all the different sites and wrote a little word and a little scripture to go with that. We got them in our room. It's an Ebenezer. Don't ever forget. Build something. 
finally tell. Luke 8.39. 8.39. This man was delivered of all these demons. He said, Jesus, we want to follow you. And he says, no, 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 you just go and tell. Go and tell what God has done for you. Who's the last person that got to hear you tell how awesome God is in your life? Who's the last one you got to say, let me tell you about what Jesus is teaching me? Who's the last person you got to tell about all those things? It's in the telling. It's in the telling that we find our place having our minds unset on things above. You see, as God's children, we're not little ants floating around in the sea of chance. We're not. So much more. So much more. And all that God has done is worth celebrating. It is worth committing to. And it is worth remembering. Please, please, don't ever forget what God has done for you.